0: It. Ooh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, oh, oh. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com.
1: Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And today's film is Charlie Kaufman's Anomalisa. Uh, Lloyd, this, this one is a very interesting turn for Charlie Kaufman. Uh, I want to just say that we are going to speak about it with spoilers in mind. It's hard not to, um, because otherwise I don't think you'll get very far. But uh, we've seen it. If you guys haven't seen it, check it out before listening to the rest of this podcast. Lloyd, uh, did you expect an
0: animated film from Charlie Kaufman? (laughs) Well, what attracted me about this film was when you said it was a Kickstarter film. And automatically I went, wow, Kickstarter-funded film, Uh, Charlie Kaufman, let's go watch this. And I saw this at the Palace Electric... Um, cinema in Canberra which is a very very beautiful cinema just a bit far out from where I live but um, I wish I could see more movies there and yeah. it, it I, I thought this movie was incredible extremely extremely well done I think Charlie Kaufman creates such a particular kind of world that it lends itself really great to animation because he can bend and twist the environments, the characters and every particular detail that he imagines um, to the screen green and i I think this is a really incredible movie and it's great to hear that it's been nominated for an academy award the first r-rated movie apparently
1: first r-rated um animated film i believe for uh, an academy award and as well like last week we did hateful eight this time it's another film with um jennifer jason lee in it she's of course the voice of his anomalisa
0: and Tom Noonan uh, who's a very big cult actor one of my favourite movies of course is Manhunter by Michael Mann so it's just great to hear his voice I guess almost as everything else it took me a long time I love the reveal of that the voices uh, when they get to the breakfast table it was so beautiful like I could watch this movie again just for that moment it was like a usual suspects moment for me
1: <laughs> uh, where the voice changes to yeah Tom where the Noonan's. voice changes yeah yeah, I mean, I I do generally try these days to not watch the trailers for films and I try to avoid spoilers and I try and, like, go in as fresh as possible. And I did it with The Hateful Eight very well and I did the same thing with Anomalisa. It was easy not to watch the trailer and um, I just knew it was an animated movie by Charlie Kaufman and I went in and watched it. I, for a little while, I didn't know anything about this voice stuff, you know, that everybody... Same, was I, I didn't be. I didn't recognise it at all well I mean to start with I I had some clues on the phone calls I was thinking they sounded like a joke almost like um, both Donna and Henry his wife and son I was thinking they both sound like the same male voice and I was very put off by it but it was more odd than anything I wasn't it wasn't like um, in South Park you know how uh, like Trey Parker might do all the voices and uh, girl voices too sometimes and you can sort of tell, and it's humorous. Here, I thought it was more odd than humorous. Um, it's hard not to draw comparisons to Team America here as well while we're on the topic of... Um, <laughs> well, Trey why is Parker that, Dave? Matt Stone.
0: Why is that? Why is that? Is it because of one particular scene?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, which, apparently, they spent quite a bit of time on making it not not a joke, I suppose. Yeah. Well, look, let, we'll get to that. He, um, he arrives by plane and uh there's an asthmatic cab driver <laughs> he gets a very annoying <laughs> well, ride when he's on the
0: plane and he's reading the letter and you hear that voice over the girl i thought he was um a homosexual that he that was his lover and it was a transvestite because it was a male <laughs> voice hard to tell well, it was so hard to tell yeah i was just like okay like I'm, I'm still getting my head around it and it wasn't until maybe yeah when he calls up his wife and his son that I was just yeah. like, okay, there's something wrong here.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I I was thinking, geez, they do this for budgetary reasons? And for a while I was thinking, like, maybe this entire movie is voiced by one person. Like, uh, you know, that's what he's done. But anyway, um, I knew Jennifer Jason Leigh was in it as well, actually. So, the, Well, this originally
0: see. was a script for a soundstage play where I guess they'd have foley artists, um, the main actors. And I, I don't know what the audience would be looking at, like a black curtain I, d- I don't know and it's it's actually got an orchestra there playing all the music and it was adapted from that to an animated movie so I, it's really interesting like the sound is probably the most important element to this film yeah
1: i'd agree with that have you looked up the fregoli delusion
0: no uh, i i i i heard about that with the uh, the name of the hotel being called that and um it's Sonic when uh is it a disease of the mind like a psychological thing where you think everyone is the same person? Correct. A rare
1: disorder in which a person holds the delusional belief that different people are in fact a single person who changes appearance or is in disguise. So it may be related to a brain lesion and people with paranoid natures the delusional person believing themselves to be persecuted by the people they believe in disguise. So the entire film is, is this syndrome.
0: Yeah, well, well, Steven Soderbergh said one of the greatest achievements you can ever do in a- any art form is to put the viewer or the spectator inside somebody else's head. And this film embodies like the entire envirom- environment of the movie, the pacing of the film, the sound of the film, the look of the film is all through the m- main character's um, head and I think that's its biggest achievement this film is that you're really inside that main character's head and if this is a psychological disorder you really experience that you know
1: as well I mean you get every moment of his life you watch him order food that never comes you watch him go and take a piss you watch him call home everything seems in very real time uh,
0: for a while at least anyway while he's in that hotel room The only thing that I think worked against it with the puppetry was those lines with the next to the eyes, like obviously where the cheek, where they I guess the animators, yeah, like it looked like some people were wearing glasses, and it it just confused, yeah, or masks. It just confused me for a bit. Oh, that's the girl with the glasses. I'm like, oh, she's not wearing glasses though. Like it just confused me for quite a bit. Um, just those lines on the on the next to the eyes.
1: It was a little off putting, but I think. By the end of the film, it's, you know, it's just one of those things like the male voices. Initially, you're picking up on it, and as the film goes on, you become desensitized to it. Bella, who was the ex from 1995, she was the one in the haunting letter and the ghost in his room. It's been 11 years, and um, they meet up at the bar, and I thought we were going to be given so many more answers in this sequence. Um, He mentions old times, you know, his life being so boring he says, I think I might have psychological problems. So, I mean, that's a start <laughs> for the clues of you know, this Frigoli delusion. Um, but he just says, I'm bloody lonely. And he kind of propositions her to, you know, come up to his room. I think in that scene though, he doesn't want to have an affair. He just wants to find out what's wrong with himself though. It, I mean, I didn't really know it at the time. And you kind of, you watch him call his wife even though Donna has a male voice and uh, he calls his wife and says you know I'll probably have an early night and then he seems to want to meet up with sex lover I think the initial reaction is that oh, okay he's looking to have an affair um, but I don't think it is and the more I sort of thought about this film after the fact the more I thought you know he he sort of asks uh, if anything changed while they were together and I assume at some point bella had a her own voice and at some point that changed to a male voice so he leaves her he's bloody lonely and he heads to the toy shop which is in fact a sex shop which (laughs) he was told was nearby Uh, i kind of had guessed that it seemed like the taxi driver was oh a toy
0: shop yeah we got one of those it's open (laughs) all night
1: (laughs) and uh there's this odd japanese robot thing look Uh, there's an interesting theory about this sex doll, Lloyd, I don't know if you've heard it, stop me if you have, Uh, that none of the rest of the film happens, and he just spends the night imagining it with the sex doll. (laughs) He imagines that it's Lisa, he never meets her, Um, he sleeps with the sex doll, and that's why there's semen in the doll when he gives it to his son towards the end of the film. (laughs) <laughs> what do you think about that? Uh,
0: I don't think that's true because you see the image of Anomalisa um, writing that letter um, at the very end of the movie. So I like to think that she was a real character.
1: It, it's That's exactly right, isn't it? I mean, I think if you were going to argue that the whole sex doll thing was, was everything that happened, you would have to question why that scene was in the film and whether or not his delusions are so great that he imagines even to that level of detail like that she had a friend and that the friend wasn't trusting and, you know, that they were there for the conference and all this sort of thing. I guess the only clue we have is when he's at the conference doing that speech at the end, which we'll get to, he looks out and sees Lisa and the friend and if she doesn't recognize him in that scene that's the only clue we have because it's the only other scene they're in
0: you know um well there was a look of concern on her face as he was breaking down in that scene so there is a yeah. sense of recognition so what did you make of that um that
1: scene very odd peeling at the mirror where his face clicks through all the emotions and he's almost like his face almost peels uh, oh, well
0: off. i saw it it's he's near breakdown like at any moment he's he's gonna break um have a mental breakdown, but I'm sure there there are many other layers. Like all Charlie Kaufman's script, it, the, these are very very intelligent themes that are embedded here, and I'm just too dumb to figure them out. But I just saw, like uh, as with the puppets, like everyone is like i guess a puppet to this guy's uh, to this guy's mind because this is a very singular story this is one perspective sort of story and you're seeing the world through his eyes and i think he's on the verge of collapse the fact that his face is breaking apart and it does fall apart in that dream sequence where he uh, runs away from the hotel manager um that you know the very identities that we put on as we wake up in the morning and stare at stare at ourselves in the mirror can be easily taken off and replaced that you know the very voices and language that you speak is a very hard thing to formalize like the identity in itself it's it's such it's such a thin line between normality and abnormality and there's that moment where he's just breaking down but um, what pulls him out is uh, Lisa's voice he hears something that's um that's um out of the ordinary, I guess for him, and that that's what um bra- causes him to run down the hallway getting his pants, of course <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah yeah you know,
0: you're right um,
1: hearing the anomaly, the different voice than he's uh, than he's used to that he hears from every single other person he invites Lisa in front of Emily to his room, I thought that was really funny. <laughs> After he spends time with them at the bar and, you know, gets to know them a little bit. It's very awkward. Um, she has these self-esteem issues and, you know, the scar she has under that, her that's hair. That's
0: never defined, is it? How she got that scar?
1: Interestingly, Lloyd, the same scar is in the same place on the sex doll.
0: Oh, right.
1: Yeah. Now, are you in, on board with the sex doll, <laughs> <theory> yet? <laughs> I'll have
0: to watch it again. Okay. <laughs> well,
1: I think the clue to the sex doll theory if it's true is in her concerned reaction when he's up on stage that if she doesn't really know him there then it never happened but I can't explain why that end scene with the letter exists then so that makes me think it actually happens yeah no she has self esteem issues and and he says he wants to kiss her and he wants to kiss her yeah yeah, that was the creepiest part
0: can I kiss you there is that (laughs) alright
1: and she worries he's a pervert immediately you know, but her voice is magic and it's because she's the only one with a female voice, you know. Uh,
0: yeah, I just love it how he just likes to hear her talk. Yeah, that say anything. Yeah, yeah, just say anything. And he just likes to hear her talk. He's just marvelling at this beauty in front of her. Like, that she, she's just so different from everything he's been hearing for, like, the last, I'm assuming, since um uh, the first girl? What's her name? Lara? Bella, Bella yeah, Well, yeah. that's 11 years ago. 11 years, 11 ago, years so maybe a yeah. decade
1: of let's guess a decade of this
0: uh, unless he has affairs like all the time like i'm assuming he goes to these conferences all the time and he's always hoping to bump into elisa i'm not, I'm not too sure
1: well i mean not Lisa, but anybody yeah. with a different voice yeah not her specifically well my issue too is then why did he marry his wife i mean 11 years ago if he was with bella um and now he's with donna if he started having this problem with bella then why would he marry Donna if she sounded masculine as well? Mm. Uh, There's another theory out there, Lloyd, that he is a homosexual that is in denial. And that's why he holds hands with the man on the flight so freely and why everybody has a male voice and why he dreams that the manager wants him and loves him. And, um, you know, that's another interesting theory, I think. That's
0: interesting. I Um, I saw that dream sequence where the manager wants him is that... The main character, um, Michael Stone, is a very narcissistic guy. He, he is really full of himself, and I, I think the the scene that that makes him such an awful character, almost unforgivable is how cruel he is to Lisa at the breakfast table scene. Yeah. yeah and just like snapping at her just for the way she eats and you're just like i, I don't like that character and then when it's a real turning point it's a real yeah. turning point and when he comes back home he he doesn't really know anyone like everyone's there for him as a surprise party and he's really alone he's a very very lonely character
1: as well i mean he's being frustrated in that morning scene though that her voice is changing as well so i mean i can't remember if he's a jerk to her as it's changing or like if that's throwing him off because it's all happening again or if he's a jerk and then it changes i can't recall Mm -hmm. but um like i thought that was sort of what was stressing him out was that she was becoming just like everybody else she sings girls just want to have fun as well jennifer jason lee got to sing in the hateful eight (laughs) and i mean i had no idea she was so musical (laughs) uh one of my favorite lines was when she said will you kiss me again and he said i hope to and she said i hope you do too and i just thought that was kind of sweet i was thinking the major theme of the film was like two lonely people looking for a connection you know but then i didn't know about the whole Frigoli delusion and i was like you know maybe he just sees something in her at this
0: point you that, know, that's one of the things had- i didn't like too much about the theory that you can just blame this all on a psychological disorder, which in itself is a very intelligent idea, but it sort of takes away a few other ideas that you initially come away with, like the just the very human um, interaction with everyone, like the fact that you can go at the end, oh, it, like the hotel has the name Fragoli, so it definitely is the Fragoli disease, and you can take away a lot of those initial. It's easier to. It's find, easier yeah. to
1: define, yeah, yeah as well
0: i've
1: i don't want it to be the whole sex doll theory that he just spends the night either, with a yeah. japanese doll because it's
0: too easy of a parachute to pull that uh, yeah. yeah it kind
1: of kills the theme if the theme is lonely a lonely person looking for a connection how sad is it that he doesn't find anything and has to sleep with this uh, japanese sex doll like doesn't that make it an even more depressing movie is that what the point is <laughs> that that that's sort of too sad for me Whereas the doll just being like representative of what she becomes to him, that she becomes like a, just another robot or something I like better, you know, also he never meets her in that scenario. He, she doesn't exist or, you know, she's just an amalgamation of, of things. I, I just don't like it. I don't want it to be true. To be honest. Um, the sex doll theory, I think is too neat
0: there are great little moments in this film and I think uh, again getting back to the animation the strength of having this film as an animation like just little things like when Bella when he's talking to Bella when they're having a drink and she pulls the jumper over her fingers she is just such an insecure lady like I love those small details it's just so human and I, I'm I'm really interested in seeing Kaufman mature more as a director if he's going to push those little moments because i think they had a great time making this movie and i i I just want to know where all the money went you know i understand the kickstarter raised like four hundred thousand dollars and then another company came in and the total budget for this movie is eight million so Mm. i was just it's sort of took a a huge piece of the movie away for me that knowing that eight million dollars was spent on this movie i thought it was a much lower budgeted film but um I'm wondering, yeah, is um, will he be able to put these little details like he has in Am- Anomalisa into the live-action movies that uh, I'm assuming he's going to mature into and and direct some? It'll be pretty interesting, I think.
1: I'd l- I'd love him to keep using Kickstarter. That's great, getting you know connecting with your audience. I mean, I'm guessing the the budget didn't go on advertising because it feels like it's barely been advertised and going up against uh, you know. Deadpool and Hateful Eight and Star Wars and everything—it's—it's a drop in the ocean, isn't it? So maybe
0: the eight million went to marketing. I'm—I'm not too sure.
1: (laughs) Well, I would have sort of thought it—you know—animating it would take a very long time. So, I mean, it's not a rented room, is it? I mean, uh, look. i can't explain no
0: i've I've seen behind the scenes footage of them animating and it looked like painstaking work like almost like wallace and gromit style um thing so um I, i just like seeing an adult movie with that adult pace like i love the slow burn of this movie that you're inside this this certain pace and the film never really abandons that it just keeps going and you're at that mood the entire time very difficult to pull off and i think they did an incredible job here
1: it's funny because most of the hate is how boring it is you know you read the reviews of uh you know the average cinema goer and they're like gosh it was so boring and and then all this stuff happened but it was just a dream and like you know i guess having a kind of slower paced more mundane film you know it's realistic
0: (laughs) the the biggest achievement that this film does in terms of the animation quality I think is embedded in that sex scene with just how intimate they made it um, <laughs> you know him it was in real danger of being a team america yeah that's it it? it it was teetering on the edge of fast, and the first thing I thought of the moment the sex scene started was team America and i don't know what like i I think it's that long shot they stay on for a really long time he goes down on the girl and he's constantly asking oh is am i going too strong should i slow down you know and then as uh, you know he mounts her. he um they cut to a close-up and it just becomes very very sensual and as they build to the climax and oh, i could get into it a lot more but it, it's just a very very sensual sex scene and it's just i think credit to the animators um, all the credit goes to the animators, I think, just f- just for that that creating that intip- intimacy between the two characters.
1: No one thought it was pulled off rather well, uh, the whole sequence, and it didn't have that kind of comical team. America it didn't. No, the start, no one in
0: my cinema laughed. I had about eight people. Bear in mind, <laughs> but um, no, no one laughed. <laughs> the at The marketing that really worked. <laughs> uh, the, the one part they laughed at was the biggest laughs it got in the movie was probably uh, when she's singing the song girls just want to have fun and then she stops you think it's the end of the song and then she carries on <laughs>
1: yeah he was never going to stop it though. <laughs> he was going to sing and sing he says um, I don't want to lose you I lose everyone and of course that's another reference to the fact that everybody's voice changes and everyone is the same to him that's
0: why he's frustrated because he loses her at that breakfast table yeah because I mean
1: <laughs> Look, that it made me think of, like, face blindness. You know how people have, um, you know what face blindness is? No. How they they can't really tell people apart and they meet people and they don't know if they've met them before and allegedly Brad Pitt has
0: face blindness, but... Uh, I don't blame like, celebrities. I think it was on the Stanley Kubrick behind the scenes of... Um the Shining, a Stanley Kubrick um, documentary, and Jack Nicholson was saying how many um, people an average uh, a celebrity meets um, a day, and it's just insane. Like, there's no way you're gonna remember <laughs> all those people. Mm. I mean, maybe that's just a good excuse. Oh, I have face blindness.
1: <laughs> uh, he says he loves her very quickly, you know, and he wants um, her to move in. Or yeah. yeah, it escalates very fast in the dream sequence as well the uh the guy in with the massive pit (laughs) with the golf cart i mean it's all very comical (laughs) uh he says he loves him as well and when he crashes into the sunken pit i thought that was hilarious (laughs) um and if you you know if you need to have an affair you can just not with with lisa you know and then the face is off you know just like a robot and but it's a dream sequence i was loving the dream sequence until it ended and it wasn't a, the dream anymore you know what I mean you know just that he was thrashing about which they I think foreshadowed that he doesn't sleep well and that he has nightmares or night terrors but he wants to leave his wife like we were saying uh, you know if you're interested you know and he loves her and she's into it so he's straight off the bat he's like yep you're the one like my anomaly so, you know she is bad at eating though <laughs> which is the real problem, and can't keep her mouth shut, uh, talking while eating, and then her voice, of course, starts echoing and distorting and sounding like a man, and this is his psychological problem, identified in this climax of the film, really. But I feel like the speech was so much fun, probably, to write and perform. He is working in... um, It was customer service, wasn't it? Yeah, and everyone's sales uh,
0: went up 90%.
1: Yeah. And uh he goes and spits out <laughs> this speech where um, you know, everybody's had a day, had a childhood, had a body, and what is it to be alive? He says, Um, I have no one to talk to
0: <laughs> And he's just imploding during this speech. That's when he has his full breakdown, I think, and um I, I was disappointed they didn't go with the whole jaw breaking apart. And then, like, they could have pushed that a little bit more. The only thing I didn't like about that speech was when he started marching around the table. uh, r- Marching around the stage. I thought that was just a bit too far. They went too far with the speech at that point. But I really liked it, how he said, I wake up every night with sweat on my pillow. Like, he's just mm. really breaking down.
1: He does. He badmouths the president as well. Which, I don't know if, you know, that's how Charlie Kaufman feels or, like... That's part of the yeah. Breakdown. Was this
0: written during George Bush's pe- George Bush mm. period? Like, a, like I'm I'm not saying President Obama could be a bad president, but like usually hear that kind of talk during the George Bush era. Like Dave, me and you, of course, have heard that nonstop when we were in uh, university and uh, they were going into the Iraq War. So many stories were, were about um, George Bush and in reference to the president leading the country down this path of war but um so it, that segment maybe it's just me just brought me uh, a little bit like what time frame am i in sort of thing i was like questioning where where i was
1: it's amazing in his speech how he says our time is limited and death comes and remember to smile
0: yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's just the world is falling See, apart. i, I was and
0: smiling during that speech when he turns the, uh, the mic behind him <laughs>
1: I wondered if, like, I thought back to the sequence where his face is clicking through all the emotions. Mm -hmm. If he, you know, has to click himself into like a smile because he's so lonely and depressed, and and whether or not he's forcing a smile, and that's you know part of his job and part of his, he's got to do it. And he says, "Remember to smile to everyone." You know, Um, it just threw me back to that when he says it in his speech. You know, "Remember to smile." doesn't cost you anything you know but he's having this massive crisis (laughs) anyway he finally leaves and uh brings the japanese toy for his son which has semen (laughs) it's interesting that it doesn't have semen earlier as well if you look at the whole sex doll theory if that's true and he just had sex with the sex doll then the semen is his and that's why it didn't tip out at any other point i suppose Mm. Because he's used it and then wrapped it and then brought it, which is sick in itself. Yeah, it's
0: absolutely (laughs) horrific.
1: Anyway, but there's a surprise party going on at his house, and I love that he said, Who are you, Donna? to his wife. (laughs) And he doesn't recognise anyone. You know, he's, he's having this massive midlife crisis, and they write to each other to say goodbye, you know. And there's that little clue that... Anomalisa in the Japanese dictionary means goddess of heaven and if it's in the Japanese dictionary does that mean a Japanese doll is her? Anyway uh, not that I think of myself that way of course it's just interesting and I thought it's just interesting is a great last line of the film because it is it's just interesting this film whether or not you hated it and it was mundane it was definitely interesting
0: I like uh, the point of view like Bella was really torn apart and spiraled downwards obviously after the relationship um, she had with michael but lisa is looking at it very fondly well like i know it's early days but the way she's writing the letter the way how that shot she's so happy in the sun is coming down it's got that orange look to it and she just seems like she just had the happiest night of her life and she's just writing him a letter like acknowledging you know maybe she might not ever see him again but she had a really great time with him and I, I thought she's such a beautiful character, Lisa. It's just unfortunate. Um, Michael just can't reciprocate. He's obviously a man with uh, heavy issues that he has to see see someone. Like I want to say it's a movie about depression, but I, 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 Lisa is about so many other things. I think. But just to say it's about Frigoli, I, I don't think you're doing the film a service. Like I think there's many other things that this film encompasses
1: absolutely and i I liked her character growth um she hadn't been with anyone for a long time she liked and connected with him before ever going to the hotel because she read his words and you know uh they basically went together go for it lisa
0: he's gorgeous (laughs) (laughs) i don't know about that like what huh (laughs) it it is hard i don't know anything about women
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, old dolls really get the girls going. <laughs> yeah. I just like that she had that experience and that it changed her and that her character grew. And I guess the reason I hate the sex doll theory as well is that then she never existed. She never went through that journey. Uh, she never experienced what was probably the greatest night of her life for the last decade or however sure. long. Um, so that I just, you know... You, it isn't as good if she's not real but knowing Charlie Kaufman that could be exactly <laughs> what this is uh, or the homosexual theory that everybody wants him and loves him and you know uh, they're all male voices because he wants them all to be male voices um, even the women are men to him or like I mean it's hard to interpret but his dream the manager wanting him it's his subconscious if it's a dream, so I can see how people get there. You know, with that theory. I don't know, Lloyd. Have you have you had a chance to kind of? You just blew my fixate? mind. I, I'd have
0: to see the movie again with those theories in mind.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the another big one is the scar on the sex doll. Yeah, it's in the same place. Well, when, when
0: you said that, I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: I know. It's. I don't want it to be true. But, I mean, I like it a lot as a theory. It's like one of those, um, you know, Jar Jar Binks was a Sith or...
0: (laughs) Well, I think a a great piece of work, you can walk away with many different interpretations. And I think one of the great films of the last decade was Pan's Labyrinth. Will you um, interpret that as all inside somebody else's head? somebody's head or did that actually happen to her and i think that's what the greatest strength of that movie is that ambiguity or that duality that you can walk away from and i think anomalisa just proves that Anom- anomalisa is just is a very good movie the fact that me and you are discussing these different theories you know and i think we had the same discussion on birdman as well whether that was just all inside the person's head
1: birdman was fantastic for lots of reasons and lots of things just the discussion I mean, yeah, that sort of comes after a film. I mean, this is, you know, when you leave a film you've just seen with some mates and then you sit somewhere or you you go somewhere and have a drink and you chat about it and everybody kind of had a different experience. I like those times, you know, this is this feels for me like what cinema is for. It's that shared experience, you know. Um, and I guess I know Melissa really is an experience oh
0: absolutely what's the name of that song that plays at the end because all the lyrics were in reference to what the character is feeling and I I was going to look it up before this podcast but I completely forgot I mean, I can't even think of
1: it right now. But
0: yeah, well, if you guys get a chance to watch it again, all the lyrics is in reference to the main character, and it's interesting. All the voiceovers, like all like it's just people talking. Like how the film begins is in black, and we just hear this mundane conversation, like of several people, I guess, inside a plane, and then we're introduced to the main character, and it's <laughs> it's just funny thinking of Tom Noonan had to, having to record all these conversations. If you listen to the voice. Uh, the voices at the as the credits are rolling, you can hear them talking about film. Because, oh yeah, I've seen that several times. Yeah, it's pretty overrated, you know.
1: <laughs> and all that. Yeah, it's it's great. All the voices being overlaid like that was really interesting. Um, how it sort of starts with black screen and you're just hearing those voices. I was you know, you could be watching anything and you don't know if it's an animated film or not. And then the plane even doesn't look animated. The first sort of things you see, it's sort of deceptively Normal, I suppose,
0: yeah, the brilliant cinematic techniques they just excited me so much how the technique of this film, how they only used three actors to populate the whole movie, and two of them were two characters. Um, sorry one character each and then tom noonan played everyone else and it just excited me the economy of that strategy but uh, i i gotta admit i was a bit disappointed hearing it was eight million dollars on the film and i just really want to know where that eight million dollars spent now, i don't know anything about animation so for all i knew no that money could have just simply went to the animation
1: this is it i'm just um i'm just pulling up the uh, nominees for best animated film lloyd ...for this Academy Awards, and you can tell me if you think Anomalisa has a chance. I think it's
0: going to be in an Inside Out. Well, let's see. Uh,
1: Anomalisa, uh, Boy and the World, Inside Out, Sean the Sheep movie, and When
0: Marnie Was There. So, And then, of course, Anomalisa. Um, I haven't seen... I've only seen Inside Out and Anomalisa, so, but I'm assuming uh, Inside Out is going to win. I'd
1: like Anomalisa to same. win <laughs> I feel like Inside Out will win but I mean I think Inside Out has some real problems
0: yeah same I, I thought it was completely overrated Mark Kamote had it as the best film of the last um, year and of 2015 and I'm just like really? <laughs> um, the one of the major problems
1: if you watch uh, how this should have ended on YouTube of Inside Out it's exactly the problem I saw <laughs> uh, and and just that'll do it just watch that and that'll answer all the questions of what's wrong with inside out and it doesn't quite work as um as it should and i really went in thinking it was going to be good and came out thinking it was garbage the most recent thing i saw which i went in thinking it would be good lloyd and it came out thinking it was garbage was zoolander 2 (laughs) you watched it yeah i'm very disappointed
0: (laughs) yeah i I, um a famous film critic Leonard Moulton I think it was who never walks out of movies That that's like it. he had a walk out of that movie a big write up about it and was just like um, questioning I've, I've got to, you know there's only so much time we have on earth <laughs> you know one of those um, reviews he <laughs> left the Zoolander 2 with that review, yeah, with that review. Wow. so it must be a hell of a movie to you know to make you have that, an existential crisis and make you reflect on how you're spending the rest of your time on Earth.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, Zoolander 2 uh, left a lot to be desired, and it's really, really sad, because, like, the first film has cult status now, but anyway, uh, there was a couple of chuckles, but it was far and in between. Um, with and that was directed year. by... What um, uh, was Ben Stiller directed ben Stiller. it? But Justin Thoreau wrote it. Okay. Um, yeah, he'd written Tropic Thunder and... Um, he's married to jennifer aniston and he was in, in inland life. empire sure uh, justin Thoreau. yeah i just wanted to rank anomalisa in terms of charlie kaufman's other written works uh do you have a favorite kaufman film Whoa. or a
0: least favorite kaufman film <laughs> <laughs> i, I like being john malkovich but i th- after all the praise over it i thought it got pretty overrated because I remember watching oh that, that wasn't too bad and then hearing it's the best film of the decade and i Oh, going it's not that good <laughs> I love Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind I haven't seen all these movies but Anomaly so like more time has to pass but I was so blown away um, watching this movie with just how much you got inside a person's head and the whole movie dared to have that strategy of the voices and not reveal it till towards the end and it's just like wow you just don't see that in movies Is just absolutely fantastic but i'm gonna have to take the cheap way out dave and say i i i don't know
1: (laughs) well human nature i think is the worst film he's done uh straight to dvd tells you that first off uh schenectady new york i might put second i read the entire script beforehand um it was leaked online and i read it and then when i saw the film it was exactly the script i'd seen and um I blame myself a little bit for that. You know, I've, I've seen the film ahead of time in my head. And then when it's realized, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman does a good job, but it's so weird. And, uh, I suppose it's got such a epic scale. I don't think it quite works. Um, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind is good, but it's pretty straightforward. Really? I think it's just very, it's saved by its style uh, george clooney directed that as his directorial debut and um sam rockwell is fantastic in everything i you know i could watch him in anything and moon is one of his better performances if people are looking for one i would maybe put Lisa next as number one no no uh, above confessions of a dangerous okay, mind yep. um again more time has to pass and i I'd, I'd be interested to see if kaufman does any interviews about whether or not you know the homosexual theory or the sex doll theory we've discussed discussed here uh, whether or not they were actually the case um be waiting for a soundbite because otherwise that may cheapen the film for me uh adaptation really spoke to me personally so i would put that um as his third best film um malkovich second and eternal sunshine of the spotless mind for me is the best film he's done it was fantastic and and i thought incredibly relatable uh trying to wipe somebody from your memory um when you're in pain and uh going through a breakup and the way it was handled i loved all the subplots i loved the way it was filmed i just thought eternal sunshine of the Spotless mind was my favorite kaufman film yeah
0: jim carrey as well is just fantastic um in it Uh, i think that was a great um performance performance and we all knew kate winslet has that in her to do a great performance like that but to see jim carrey who we often associate with comedy in such a serious role he's absolutely brilliant in that and michelle gondry just got full guns blazing in that movie he's really in a comfort zone and that photography he has in that film just resonates so well
1: absolutely does
0: i i made
1: uh tess my wife watch um John being John Malkovich for the first time last week, and um, told her nothing about it. She was uh, intrigued as it goes on, and, and loved the Malkovich in his own portal Malkovich sequence. Malkovich, Malkovich, <laughs> the bit where he's singing and he's going Malkovich.
0: <laughs> um, she got many laughs. Close out of it, it and, uh, for the love of God! <laughs> and then somebody <laughs> throws a beer ball at like Malkovich. ha <laughs>
1: do you you know that scene was um it's kind of fantastic the guy that threw that beer bottle and hit him in the head they were driving past in the car um they were extras on the movie and they were supposed to throw something near him and miss but they'd been drinking and so he wasn't supposed to yell anything out like hey malkovich think fast (laughs) by yelling that out he actually became paid like his his pay increased because he had a spoken part on the film And he hit him in the head, and so that reaction is real. (laughs) And Malkovich is like, ah, because it wasn't supposed to happen. He's hit in the head with this beer bottle, and then the director convinced him to keep it in the film. And so he was like, fine, because it's, you know, it's real and whatever. And the guy got a big pay bump (laughs) for getting drunk and throwing a bottle and hitting Malkovich in the head. He could have hurt him. Oh, yeah, he could have hurt him, (laughs) but, I mean, it's hilarious that that's happened and like how lucky the best things in
0: film to... are often accidents
1: absolutely true well Lloyd
0: Anomalisa
1: we'll wrap that up today. yeah thanks
0: for selecting that one Dave that, that was a really good movie
1: Ah, oh, look I like to get these kind of artistic films in between the big Hollywood blockbusters and I think and we both well we, we'll,
0: we'll, just to be clear we love the Hollywood blockbusters okay
1: <laughs> yeah no, don't expect us to not do Deadpool in a couple of episodes time but Uh, Next one is going to be Room. Uh, Again, we'll probably have quite an Oscars discussion about that one. As I said, Deadpool coming up on the horizon as well. We're going to check in for Batman Superman. If you guys want to subscribe to the podcast, rate us in iTunes. Um, Look, we've got a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, I'm going to try and get some more Australian films on the cards this year. I've got a few previews and things I'm going to in Melbourne just to just to hype it up a little bit for you. Lloyd, PodMe me if you can. It's going to have a big year. Um, do you want to tell people about the YouTube channel?
0: Guys, if you come to our YouTube channel, you'll find really obscure movies that we've done reviews on. But also, um, we put up other little um, gems up there as well, like small little clips and discussions, either ripped from our podcasts or ones that we made specifically for YouTube. But, um, yeah, definitely check it out because... they're pretty much everything we upload there we also put on our website so you guys can check it out all at com, and be sure to subscribe to the youtube youtube channel to stay on top of everything
1: and i mean drop us a line we like to hear from you on podmeifyoucan.com you can find our twitters you can find uh, the youtube channel where you can leave a comment we'll see that eventually and and the facebook page where we're always taking requests so you know we'd love to hear from you and uh hashtag PodMe uh, p-m-i-y-c rather uh is um is what we're pushing this year and um yeah guys more pod me if you can more films more to come and uh thanks very much charlie kaufman Anomalisa was excellent and uh has posted many a discussion lloyd i'll uh, talk to you next week for a room
0: hit it Ooh, Thank you for listening. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com Pod me If You Can. Movie Reviews.